Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio from the CEP Network. If you like what you hear, do us a favor and hit that subscribe button and give us that five-star rating. And while you're at it, give us a like and a share on the socials and tell all your friends about the variety you get right here on the CEP Network. In this episode, Patrick and I chat about the MLB season starting this week, Chester Bennington and the third anniversary of his death, lyrics versus melody and music, documentaries and movies that are a good imitation of the music industry, and so much more. If you'd like to get a hold of Patrick Blair or myself, you can reach out on the social medias. You can reach us on the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. And if you have any topics you'd like to hear us cover about music, sports, or pop culture, email us at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out this episode of Raised on the Radio. I am Cole Brocato. Patrick Blair, what is that look on your face? Are you offend, Are you as offended as I am right now that you're wearing an Indians jersey? Boom, bitch. It says Indians on it. Gonna have to deal with it. I can't. Deal we're with have, it. We're gonna have to cancel it now. You don't even know what Indians it's even talking about. It doesn't That's matter. It doesn't thing. matter. I still have the right to be offended. Of course you do. Well, your shirt offends me as well. Okay. 2016 was a bad year for me, so I'm offended. Okay. Was it really? Did, you make that up? No, no, okay. but it could have been, so I could be offended. That's true. Anything that says 2020 on it, you can be offended by. No, I love 2020. I think it's a good opportunity for growth and for change. us to talk about what offends us and what doesn't offend us, and you know. But I am wearing a Cleveland Indians jersey. You are correct um, because, well, today is not opening day, but when the show comes out, it will be opening day for right. the Indians. And I'm excited for, for baseball to be back, so I am celebrating right now. So to you and everyone else who was offended, zip it. So I know baseball has been, like, you go way farther back with baseball than you do, like, MMA. But we're, are you more excited to see baseball come back, or were you more excited to see UFC come back? In a COVID world? What? Um, what do you mean? No, more excited to see something come back in a COVID or Corona world is kind of what you're asking. Well, um, ju- just a matter of if you have two sports that were gone for a while because of everything going on, and then all of a sudden now they're coming back, which one are you more excited about? Well, I think it's different because the UFC came back. They were the first to come back. And at that point, I think everyone just goes, I just want live sports on my television. I want to be able to watch some sort of sporting event live. So they had the benefit of that. I think the UFC uh, pulled in, I think they pulled in viewers that they perhaps wouldn't have pulled in because of that. Right. Now, when it comes to my excitement of which am I happier to see return? I think I'm going to lean on baseball because to be honest with you, I didn't think baseball was coming back. And I was getting really really excited about the season um, because for me and my my team, there after this season, there are going to be a lot of things happening. The dynamic of the team is going to change. Um, I think our, our best player is going to say bye-bye to Cleveland, not because he wants to, but because Cleveland ownership doesn't want to, doesn't want to, doesn't want to pay him. So, I was excited to get the season started and make one last playoff run with him on the team. 
now we only have 60 games to do it. So, <laughs> which, we'll, which, as uh, you said, is not that exciting considering you're not a fast starting team. They are not a fast. They do not get off to great starts. At least they they have. Well, I, I will say this historically, since I've been a fan, um, I would say from the year 1999 up to today, they have been known for being a slow starting organization. Now, since Terry Francona got to the Indians in 2013 and is still their manager, uh, yes, they, they've especially been a slow starting team under him. So, uh, but I love Terry Francona. I love the team. I love all of the players on the team. I'm excited. So I'm, I'm excited for baseball to be back and living in St. Louis. We still, you know, I, I am a Cardinals fan as well. So to be able to watch the Cardinals, um, I'm not necessarily a fan of this era of the Cardinals organization, but I won't even get into that because I might offend more listeners with that. But um, well, yeah, to- I did a topic that I know we've beat to death is you know not having fans in the in the stands. And right. but you said with UFC <laughs> that that's something that like you actually think you might enjoy it more not having the fans in the stands. So how does that translate to baseball? Do you think it's going to be more different for baseball? It won't bother me. You don't think so? It will not bother me. No, not one bit. But again, I'm a dork. I love the game of baseball. I'm a nerd when it comes to baseball. Um, I love every aspect of the game. I, I pay attention to pitch counts. I pay attention to signs and and I've uh, you know um, what what collection or what combination of pitches did that pitcher give this specific hitter his last at bat? Like I get into it. Um, and I'm the guy, if I go to the game live, I am drinking. Don't get me wrong, but I am paying attention. Don't try to have a conversation with me (laughs) in between innings. We can have a conversation, but I'm watching. Um, so no, I I don't, it's not going to bother me one bit. And I thought about that. Someone brought that up to me. Maybe it was my mom. Actually, it was the last time I saw my mom. My mom's a giant, giant baseball fan as well. And she just goes, it's just not going to be the same with no fans. And they're going to, they're, they're not going to be able to high five. And I go, you're focusing on trivial shit. These guys don't need the fans. They just don't. They don't. So I don't know. So yeah, my mom's a giant baseball fan. My parents are giant baseball fans, um, which is probably where I get my love of baseball from we've just we we're i grew up going to baseball games you know i grew up going to every other sporting event you could in st louis as well but baseball was number one in my house but um she was just like yeah just everything that's going to be missing it's going to make it hard to watch i go you're crazy nothing's going to change when a a guy blasts a three-run homer you know uh it's going to be the same when a guy strikes a guy out with a nasty curveball it's going to be the same you know when a guy doubles off the wall everything's going to be the same you just don't get that reaction from the fans but if you're watching on television do you really hear all of that anyway you know i don't think it's more of what you hear i think it's more what you see right so like you know we compared fighting to baseball like when you're like the camera, when the fighters are in the cage are pretty well zoomed in on the fighters. So it's not like you can hear the crowd, but it's, you don't really see the crowd as much baseball. It's like every, every frame, every different frame has all, you know, a stand full of people in it. 
So I think the, I think it's the visual aspect that's going to be most different for everybody. I mean, there is a visual, sure, but that's you got to think quick, quick panning and, and all the camera work that goes into it. Um, I don't really think that, and maybe it's just me, but I don't think that that's going to bother people because I actually think it's going to be a relief without all the quick jumps from crowd to player, player to crowd, coach to player. Click, you know, I, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a smoother transition uh, as far as just watching the game goes. But like I said, I'm an outlier. I, I'm a nerd about baseball. I just love baseball. So um, I'm going to watch regardless. It's going to be – I get 60 games to do it. So And then a playoffs <laughs> and then a World Series and then it's over. So it will be over before we know it. Um. But do you we think- can't get too deep into sports here. We got to we got to talk about something that we were supposed to talk about on the last show, and we did not. But we it needs to be said. So the day of our last show, it was the three year anniversary of Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park's death, and we failed to mention it. It was also Chris Cornell's birthday, right? As we know, they were both friends. Both both died in tragic ways. So I felt like I needed to mention that now. Do you, and I can't believe it's already been three years. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be crazy. This is an odd question, and it might seem obvious, but I want your take on it. Do you think Chester's death happening on Chris's birthday was on purpose? I mean, I say it sounds. It seems like it could be obvious because they were really good friends, and that you know, that could be a day where things hit you the hardest, and you just can't deal with it anymore. Um, uh, you know, without I don't know the guy personally, so it's hard for me to speculate that, and I think it would be an unfair thing for me to do. Um, if the news came out, which I don't know how it could, you know, if if he had left. There was some sort of unknown uh, sort of evidence that he left behind stating that he was going to do it on that guy's birthday. Then would I be surprised? No, not one bit. But again, it's kind of it's silly for you and I to speculate now or try to guess. Right. Um, You know, I just can't believe it's been three years and that's crazy. That one hit me hard. There have been two two deaths of musicians that have happened recently that I just have vivid memories of them hitting me hard. The first one was Scott Weiland. I figured I thought that was going to be your, your, the first yeah. one you picked. It, you know, it, and it's crazy. I don't even know if we've talked about it on this podcast or not. I, I felt like maybe I've brought that up before, but maybe not. But I think to a lot of people, it wasn't a surprise when he died. And maybe even to me, it wasn't as far as like all the abuse he did to his, to himself, to his body to his mind, to his soul with drugs over the last however many years. Um, but God, even when, when my, my now wife, she was my girlfriend then, she woke me up specifically because she was up before me and I was still sleeping and she read the story. And I just remember hearing like her saying something and I kind of like looked up. She goes, wake up. And I'm like, what's going on? And she told me, and my response immediately, like she told, Scott Weiland died. I go, no, he didn't. Like that was my response. And it wasn't, I didn't like sit back and go, oh, damn. And like, think about it. I just go, no, he didn't. Like, I couldn't believe it. Um, 
so super bummed. And then when when I found out about Chester, I I, I needed. I went to work that day. I remember being at work, but getting nothing done. Like I stayed away from everyone. I was just kind of like, I booked like, <laughs> I just booked time away from everyone, like outside of my group of people. And I just kind of just was by myself. Like right. it bummed me out big time. Right. Um, big time. And, uh, and it's just all I did, all I did was sort of think about just random thoughts of him playing live that I've seen like in person and then that I've watched. And there were like so many, I, I never considered myself like a super fan of Lincoln park by any means, but for, for whatever reason, I had seen that band a ton of times. And then I saw him with stone temple pilots and, um, so I don't know. It, it hit me in a way. And, and I do remember. So right after he died, I was in Las Vegas I was walking down the strip and they were playing burn it down and I got super emotional. I was super bummed. Um, now I had a lot of things running through my, my, my system at the time. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if there was any control of my emotions anyway, at that point, you might, but have, you might've felt a little deeper. <laughs> I might've really wanting a little, to. Bit, <laughs> a little bit deeper about the situation. However, I, I don't want to take anything away. Right. That whole situation bummed me out. But I do remember too, you asked, we were talking about like favorite live shows. Did I talk about when I saw them in Chicago with Incubus? Not that I remember. See, what bothers me is that when you asked me that on the po- whatever podcast, it was one of our first podcasts, I think, but you asked me a and I think it was just top of my head. I was naming things. I've thought of so many since then. <laughs> of course. That you like, you know what I mean? Just yeah. like that. I go, Oh my God, I can't believe I didn't say that. Like, I can't believe I didn't mention that. Um, but that one was one for sure. Um, that I thought of afterwards. I was like, I can't believe I didn't mention the time I went to Chicago and saw it was Lincoln park and incubus were on tour together and mute math was opening up. And that's just a, a trifecta of just, incredible bands that I love, you know, Incubus being my favorite band, um, of all time. It was just an unbelievable show. Um, just everything about it was cool. The sets that all the bands played, it's just everything like all the, like the sets that the bands played, everything about it was perfect. Um, and then I saw them in 2001, like right after hybrid theory came out, I saw them at the family arena. Oh yeah, um, I remember. You, I remember you telling me that. That's insane. Okay. I would. That would be, that's, Maybe that's the one that I mentioned. That place is awesome. Was awesome to me. It, it was. It was. It was like a, an arena feeling, but it's not that big. Well, they close off like a quarter of the place, and then they for most shows that I've been to there. Yeah, I mean for Lincoln Park, um, but I mean Lincoln Park sold the fucker out um, that night. But I was down on the floor too. I mean, this is two thousand one, so I'm a kid still. And, uh, I was down on the floor just going, what going crazy, but it was them head PE apex theory. And maybe that's it, but it was a, it was a fun show. It was a really good show. Um, so yeah, I just, you know, the, the fact that that show slipped my mind bothers me, but what's your, if I had to ask you, so like, when I realized that we forgot about this from the last show, I just started thinking about 
kind of like my favorite, you know, my favorite Linkin Park songs, records. If I, if I asked you, what's your favorite record? What's your favorite song by them? Would you be able to rapid fire give me an answer? By Linkin Park themselves? Yeah. Like the band? Yeah. Oh, man. I, it would it'd probably ha- have to be off a of hybrid theory. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They're they're what? they're a band that I that I love all of the big songs as well, but their first three albums I loved every song on. Oh yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if I could pick a favorite. You know, like most people probably you you know you're gonna get like in the end or you know, crawling or something like that, which is, you know, their bigger hits, but I don't really want to say that one of those is my favorite because if someone really said, if you're a fan of that band and you really say that's your, those two are your favorite songs, I'll, I'll have to punch you in the kneecap. This is, those can't. well, but listen, this is another, I get it. I get what you're saying. This Trust is like, me. this is like the casual music fan, you know? Ugh. I hate those people. Oh, God. (laughs) Well, look, hybrid theory. No, I I will say this. While I love more than a couple of their records, hybrid theory is still my favorite because when it came out, um, it blew my fucking mind. And, you know, what's funny about that is I think at the time it was not cool if you were in the music scene or in a band whether it be a metal band, a punk band, a rock band, it was not cool for you to be a fan of Linkin Park. Really? You know? Why? Yeah, I think maybe in two, it may be in 2000 when that record came out. And maybe in 2001 when I had seen it. But after that, once they sort of got to the superstar status that they were at, it was not cool to like them. Because um, it was, and I'm using air quotes here, selling out. Um, but let me just say this. I, I always... You know me. I love poppy shit. I don't give a fuck what it sounds like. If it moves me, like I said, or if it's catchy, I don't give a fuck. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not out here to impress you with my musical knowledge or the things that I like. Um, and I used to, believe me, I used to be one of those people. You know, I used to, I used to uh, scoff and sigh at people who listen to popular music. You know, how, even how, though I, in my own sort of on my own personal time, appreciated it and liked it. Um, haters is what you call them, I guess. But <laughs> So you're, um, you're saying selling out is in popular, just being popular in the, like being popular music? Yes. Well, especially as a metal band or a rock band. Yeah. It wasn't cool to be popular like that. Now, when they came out, it was because you're coming from... They're still part of that new metal era where those bands were selling millions of records. Right. You know, the Limp Bizkit's, the Corns. Um, you know, those bands are were huge. They were, they were popular music. They were pop music. Um, Lincoln Park probably did it better than all of them. They outlasted all of them. But when Hybrid Theory came out, um, it came out at a time where new metal was still just popping. I mean, it was the popular rock music of the time and the way that they sounded and the way that they did it was just it to me it fucking it blew my mind um 
sonically speaking, that record hybrid theory, just, it sounded, it did not sound like anything else. Nothing sounded as good. It just, um, sonically speaking from front to back, it is a perfect record. Everything sounds good. Um, and every song's good. Every song on that record could have been a single, in my opinion. It had, I don't know how many, so it had one step closer, crawling in the end. Paper cut. Uh, Paper cut. Well, I'm trying to think of like singles, singles. Oh. I would say I think it crawling just the and in the end were probably the two biggest, right? Yeah. In the end just did, just crossed over one billion, was it views on YouTube or listens on Spotify, something like that? I want to say it was, um, I want to say it was YouTube. Was it one, think, one billion so. views of the video? Which, which is, is insane. Insanity. Fucking nuts. Um, but yeah, every song, in my opinion, could have been a single. So that's my favorite record by them. Because again, when it came out, I was just, I was like, what in the fuck? Like how, how, like everything, like the guitars, the, the sound was what I was listening to at the time, new metal wise. But I was like, how do they sound this poppy? Like how did, it just, I didn't get it. I didn't get how they sound, like I just didn't get it. I could not compute in my own brain like how did they make it sound this good it just um and you had records that had come out before that that sonically speaking and when it came to like pop music sounded fucking great but this was just this was it was to me it was just on a whole different level but my favorite song by them and it's going to be one that no one would expect and i'm not doing it on purpose believe me but i've listened to this song you ever looked on your phone at like the top 25 most played songs on your music library. I haven't done it, but I know what you're talking about. So this song is in the top 10 for me, but it's, um, it's a song called blackout. So do you remember when they brought out a record called a thousand sons? It was in Mm -hmm. 2010. Yep. The electronic record. Yep. So blackouts from that record. It is my favorite Lincoln park song. Um, is that, can you name any other songs that were on that record? Trying to think. Well, the single was the, um, God, what's it called? I'm going to look it up. Uh, the single, God, uh, the catalyst is the single. Okay. Okay. But then they had that waiting for the end song got pretty big. Yeah. Um, but those were really the two, two biggest songs from that record, but blackout is on that record. And I, I love that song. I like that record front to back too. I love that record too. Um, Really, their first, what is it, four or five albums? I mean, I love everything front to back. Um, really, even... Admittedly, I'm, I'm trying to think. What was after uh, Minutes to Midnight? That one, the one I just... A Thousand Suns. That was A Thousand Suns? Yeah, Minutes to Midnight was the Rick Rubin one where they got kind of... I don't know. What's the best way to put it? Butt rock. Well, they, uh, they went hard hardcore political with that album too, though. Mm-hmm. Well, they had to for the Transformers movies. <laughs> um, what was that song, New Divide? Is that their big single for, for Transformers? Um, actually, you know what? One, two, three, four, five. five yeah, for the first five records, front to back, I can listen to. Hybrid Theory, Meteora, Minutes to Midnight, A Thousand Sons, and then Living Things. Living Things, I think, is another like a thousand sons is an underrated record by them. 
It had a ton of radio singles, but every song was awesome, front to back, on the record. It was funny when um, when A Thousand Sons came out. I remember this uh, specifically. I was in Chicago again. I was at Lollapalooza. And I went to a dinner. And I was with... I went to dinner with some music industry people, specifically radio people, who were saying when A Thousand Sons came out, they were like, there's no way this record gets played on radio. It's terrible. It's an electronic record. It's not a rock record. It's going to kill the band. It's going to kill their career. It's, you know, suicide, this and that. And, you know, four albums later, you know, there they were still plugging away. This was the biggest. This was during like Hybrid Theory. No, no, no. A Thousand Sons. You said four records later. There's four records after Thousand Sons. No, I'm talking about the records that come out after A Thousand Sons. How many came out? So, so it was A Thousand Sons, Living Things, two more. So there were three more. I was okay. close. Three okay. more after A Thousand Sons. Okay. So yeah, clearly it didn't didn't kill them. Didn't right. kill the record. Right. And didn't kill their radio play either. So because the next record to come out had fucking three, four radio singles, Burn It Down, um, Lost in the Echo, Castle of Glass, all that stuff got played on the radio. Right. Fucking successful band, man. So you, you, you mentioned earlier something about like, or, well, like with them, there were most of their albums, you, you like every song on the album. So something, yeah. so something I've always thought of is when they say, when they consider songs filler songs. If, Who's they? And what are filler songs? Well, that's my question. Is like, okay, I don't know who they is. I'm just saying I have heard. Oh, you know. And I'm sure most people have heard that bands have, they, they will put, can put out albums that, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make this a question as well. So, Every I would imagine that every band when they're putting out an album is trying <laughs> a lot more. Can you hear that? Yeah, <laughs> it's all right. It's not bad. <sighs> Anyways, I can imagine that any band that puts out an album expects that all of their people are going to accept all their songs and like all their songs. But how does it work as far as like does a Is it just a band's favorite song that they put out and try to make that a single, and that what's that's what gets gets radio play? How does that how does that work as far as like if a your biggest songs off of an album does a does a band make that happen or does that just song random songs get radio play and the ones that get the most momentum does that does that make any sense? Yeah, well, I mean a band a band may have an idea of what they want to be the first single or a single from the record, but their record label might have a completely different idea. So if they're on a label and they're on a label who likes to assume all of the creative control, then the label's picking what the singles are. Um, However, you know, you can look these stories up. There have been tons of stories where bands have left a label because the label just they didn't see eye to eye, eye to eye with the label, and a lot of it had to do with, well, the label wants radio play, but they want to play this. And you know, have you you've seen Bohemian Rhapsody, right? You know, the label wanted a different song, not Bohemian Rhapsody, right? You know, <laughs> that's. Um, 
Well, so the the main reason I asked that is because so I actually sent you a, a YouTube video of Tommy Lee's new song not too long ago. I could not get through, but maybe thirty seconds of that. And I did I did it on purpose just to be funny. But the reason why I, can, I, I was so confused why you said that. <laughs> and the reason why I did it was because he was on Ryan Sickler's podcast. Do you know who Ryan Sickler is? Stand up comedian Ryan Sickler. He's a stand up comedian in L.A. Sounds familiar, but. Anyways, he was on his podcast and he was telling stories and everything. And he made the statement because he was talking about his new record that he's putting out and he's doing like an A and B side and A is all male vocalist and B is all female vocalist for all these different songs. But he made the statement that he doesn't believe in doing filler songs on an album. And when he said that, I'm thinking, I would think that most bands wouldn't consider songs filler but I don't know what that means, really. Does it mean that they don't put as much effort into some of the songs on the album? Or or what? Like, what does that actually... Even, I mean, freaking, was it Sum 41 had a song called All Killer, No Filler? Like, I mean, it's a thing. Yeah. I'm not just making all this up. <laughs> well, filler songs, that, that, that term and that idea was created by music critics and record labels. Okay. No, I don't. I don't think any band goes goes into a, re- a recording studio and goes when they start recording a song. Go, and eh, this is just going to be a filler song. Right. So let's not put our full effort into it. Yeah, like we're not going to uh, say, "Hey, three songs are going to be really good, but the rest of them are going to be eh." But unfortunately, there's nothing they can do about you know people's perception of that song or songs plural being filler songs. Right. It sucks, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know of anyone that's gone into a studio being like, all right, we have these four songs, we know they're killer, and then we have these other five songs, and we know they're filler, you know? Um, well, I mean, it's a matter of, I believe I've heard, uh, even local, local, local guys say that, hey, we've got enough songs to put out a full length album, but we are more comfortable with these five or six. So we'd rather put out a five or six song EP that we, you know, are more comfortable with versus putting out a full length right now. So like I those mean, other five or six songs are... you like. I mean, yeah. I mean, as a band, you want to put out whatever you think is best and whatever you like. I, I, if I don't feel good about a song, I've never put it on something just to have, just because, just to fill space. Right. If I don't like something about a song, unless I have it within my power to change it or we have it within our power to change it. No, it's not going on anything. Now, I don't have a record label breathing down my neck saying, hey, we need X amount of songs, so just put it there, which does happen, um, unfortunately. But look, it's music. That filler song could be loved by right. millions of people. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, a perfect example of that, well, I don't know if it's the perfect example, and I am going pretty far back on this one but it, it's just the first thing that came to my brain um come on feel the noise by quiet riot yeah do you know that's a cover song really yep so they needed to fill a spot on the record with a song and someone said hey let's just do a cover um so that song's originally by a band called slade and um so someone just said, hey, well, why don't we just do a cover? That'll that'll make it easy. But they were pissed that the record label was making them fill the record with another song. 
They thought they had the record done. They thought they had a complete record. They had their own idea of what the single was going to be. The first single from the record was going to be and everything. And the label was like, no, we need one more track, right? So when they started recording the song, they pur purposely tried to record it shitty. They tried to make it sound like shit because they knew that the record label wanted something on the record. Right. They knew it was going to go on the record, but to be rebellious and sort of say, hey, fuck you, label. You want another song? Cool. We'll give you another song, but it's going to sound terrible. Ends up being their biggest song to date. So how do, how does that work? One of the biggest song, one of the one of the biggest, honestly, one of the biggest rock songs ever. You know, right? How how does that work with a a band who wants to do a cover song? Do they have to get a hold of the other band or the agency or the record label that owns that song for the other band and work a deal out with them to be able to cover a song? Yeah, I mean, well. I know from my, you have to, you have to, if you're going to put it out on record and sell it, right, you have to, you have to basically get permission from whoever owns the rights to the song. So the songwriting, um, and then they get a certain percentage. That's up to your, uh, your publishing deal, your record label and the publishing deal that you signed as far as what that percentage is. And, but a lot of people have it built into their contracts that, they get a certain amount of publishing anyway. Um, again, I don't know necessarily how that works for everyone. I know it's a case-by-case -case basis. Um, Wasn't that the big thing with, like, Vanilla Ice? Like, he stole uh, whatever the, be the beginning is for... Under pressure. Under pressure, yeah. And I guess he didn't have the he didn't have that deal made did, with the... They did not ask, no. They just, they just took it. Well, that's but that's but that's a different thing, though. You got to remember that when you're talking about hip hop or rap, and you're talking about samples. If you want to sample a piece of music, you just the same way have to get permission, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So you can do a full cover of that song, you yeah, yeah, riff, right, right? Yeah. You know, but you still have to. It works the same way. You still have to get permission. Um, that's a funny one, though. Hearing him try to justify that as well, like theirs goes dun 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 da da dun dun, uh -huh. and ours goes dun 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 da da dun dun. Are you hearing yourself, bro? Like it's the same thing. Um, but he did. He tried. He he and the his management. Like I think to this day, they still think it's different. I don't think he's ever admitted that it's the same. Um, I mean, there's a there. There's only so much in music. There's only so many sounds that can be made in music. And I and I'm sure that you probably have albums on your phone that have songs on them from one band to another that the beginning sounds a lot of like another one and it might not have been on purpose it's just it sounds a lot like it like if you there, there's i mean i can't name off the top of my head but i know for a fact that there are songs out there where when i hear it i could go one of two different ways with it n thinking what that song is you know what yeah. i mean like it could be this band or it could be that band depending on what the song is um i would say you're somewhat correct with that i think they're I think just like with stand-up comedy, when it comes to songwriting, there can be parallel thinking, meaning you've put you've you sort of concocted this group of notes or this group of melodies or this melody in your head, and it might perhaps be similar to another. However, there are some really famous stories of, you know, bands 
being accused of clearly ripping something off. Um, what's what's the stairway? Stairway to was, heaven that, is a that's great it. example. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Uh, and the the original is a uh, by a band called Spirit, I believe. And if you listen to them back to back, I mean it's it, it it's hard not to think that one did not influence the other, or the one did not influence the other. Um, you know, would you know I the What's the expression? Um, God, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Is the sincerest form of flattery? Um, what the hell am I thinking? I, How does that expression go? I don't know. Now you're gonna uh, drive me whatever. nuts. You know what I'm. You know what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know of a few examples of, of bands who have been accused of ripping off riffs and. Uh, you know, I, I think there are a lot of bands too that just kind of they pick a sound, and they'll once they've picked a sound, they'll recreate other songs that have been popular. Doesn't mean they necessarily are the same. They'll change a little bit here and there, you know, to not get sued because it has to be. I don't even know what it is anymore. I know once upon a time it had to be eight consecutive notes couldn't be the same or otherwise you would something like that wow. um i'm not even going to look that up because god knows what i'm going to find but <laughs> um but yeah it's um there have been quite a few bands that i can think of that have been accused of that or that were just kind of notor notorious for just taking like i said a, a popular sound or a popular song and reworking it you know and they got away with it because they didn't cross that line. They didn't cross that that threshold of all right. It's this many consecutive, however many notes, and it doesn't. So, um, what do you? What's your? What is that? What is that saying? I'm trying to think. <laughs> it's driving me crazy. Uh, Something is the sincerest form of flatter. I don't remember. I don't know what it is. I have go go ahead with what you were going to say. I have to look this up. <laughs> It's driving me nuts. I was going to ask what your take was on bands using clips from other songs in their music. What do you mean? Like, so the the one that's popping in my head is like "Sing for the Moment" by Eminem. That he and he uses a clip from Aerosmith. Like, what's your take on? Oh, that, with like that Steven Tyler's actual imitation. Yeah. Imitation wow. is the sincere. <laughs> Good God, what's wrong with me? Um, <laughs> So like using Steven Tyler's voice? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think many bands would love for one of the biggest pop stars of all time to use them in a song, whereas other bands who are just too proud and like playing shows to 25 people would say, no, fuck you, you can't use it. Um, so I guess, I, no. I guess I didn't think of it that way. I guess I didn't think that Steven Tyler actually did that song for him. I thought that he pulled that clip from the actual song and put it in. No, he did. Oh, he did? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Steven Tyler didn't re-record Dream On. That, yeah, that's what um, I was asking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, he just pulled the vocal on. Yeah. Um, I think it's cool. But I. But that's, again, that's that's a, 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 it's a staple of hip-hop and rap music for that to happen. 
some of the biggest rap and hip hop songs of all time um, use samples. And, and a lot of times the younger generation of people don't even know that it was a popular sample. They just think they assume, Oh yeah, yeah. Right. That's a Dr. Dre. That's a Dr. Dre original. You know what I mean? Like that's a, you know, um, I think it's a cool part of what that music is. Um, I don't have a problem with it and I would fucking any rappers. If you're hearing this by all means, you want to use one of the songs that I'm on, go, go right ahead. Just, <laughs> go right ahead. You already have my permission. No need for an email. No need for a phone call. But um, you do own like a small amount of music, right? <laughs> what do you mean? Not, so you don't you don't own all the music that you recorded. You only own a small percentage of it, probably. I mean, I'm par- I'm partial owner, which means you can make decisions on it without anybody else. My anybody my, else's approval. I can make decisions on my fifth. Yeah. <laughs> what does that let's mean? Put it, let, let, let's put it this way. <laughs> With the exception of two songs I've ever recorded, if someone wanted to use the vocal, they only need my permission. Really? Yes. That's cool. So. But not on the latest stuff I recorded. God damn it. Yeah. The latest stuff I recorded, they would need everyone's permission. But whatever. Who cares? No one's going to use it anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, I don't remember how we got there, but how did we get there? I have no idea. We were talking about Chester and oh, Lincoln, Lincoln Park, Park and then and just led to music. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Uh, um, but we yeah, might, three we, years, man. We might have talked about this before, but what what what's your favorite project that Chris Cornell was a part of? Was it Soundgarden? Is that what you said? No, I'm going to say Audio Slave. Really? Yeah. I wasn't uh I'm I'm well, let me just say this. While I respect him because he's a legend, I'm not the biggest Chris Cornell fan. Okay. Um Now he's done the Soundgarden, Audio Slave, he has done some stuff that is great. Don't that I that I actually do like and is for me, but um overall I wouldn't say I'm the biggest fan. Um I think Bad Motor Finger by Soundgarden is a great record. I, I do like that a lot. Um, but when Audio Slave came out, it was the combination of him and the guys from Rage. Just got me really excited. And uh, while it wasn't anything like Rage, I thought the combination of Rage sounding riffs and music with his voice was cool at the time. Um, they didn't really; those songs didn't really stand the test of time with me personally. Um, like when I hear them now, I'm like, oh yeah, I, but it's not, it's not something I go, I need to listen to that, you know? And I'm not trying to be in it. I'm not trying to, uh, be a jerk in any way or, or sound hateful or sound like it's not good to me now. It's still good. It's just not, it's not something that I'm going to, uh, make the effort to, to put on a playlist right now. What about, um, uh, what about Temple of the Dog? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it is what it is for me. Yeah. I mean, again, not, not the biggest fan. Um, yeah, I'm indifferent. I like Eddie Vedder by himself. 
far better than in Temple of the Dog, but that was a super group, right? I mean, I guess you could consider you could consider it that. Yeah, I mean, who are why the, not the rest of the band? Who are they from? Do you remember? I gotta look that one up, dude. I was told this and I forgot, and it's gonna drive me nuts when I actually am told. I want to say that. Shh, I'm just gonna look it up. I'm not even gonna sound stupid. Uh, where are we at? So it was a tribute to Andrew Wood of Mother Love Bone. That's right. Which was, you know, so the lineup was Stone Gossard from Pearl Jam, Jeff Ament from Pearl Jam, Mike McCready of Pearl Jam, and then Matt Cameron from Soundgarden. So basically it was Pearl Jam and Chris Cornell and Eddie Vedder, essentially. Huh. <clears throat> Which is what I thought it was, but I didn't want to say that and be wrong. I didn't want to discredit someone else, but right. Um. So tell me about your your music listening homework experience I gave you. It's driving me nuts. I texted you earlier and asked you because his voice sounds identical to somebody, and I don't know who it is. So I told you to listen to Thirty Six Crazy Fists, right? No, I only, I only got a chance to listen to that one album. You listen to the full record? Uh, probably the first 10 songs, I think. And you liked it? I did. I, what, was your, what was your favorite? The the Heart and the Shape, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, pro- that's probably my favorite. So I'm... I like metal music but I like metal music more once I understand what they're saying. And it t- in some music, it take you can't tell me that if you listen to that first, you're going to be able to understand every word that he says. I don't care about that. I know you don't, but I do. Now, I'm not saying that I can't enjoy it without understanding, but I'm also the person that will, when I if I'm listening to it on iTunes, I'll hit that button that scrolls the words as, he, as they're singing. I didn't even know there was such a button. Oh, dude, really? I don't give a fuck about lyrics. I don't care. You don't want to sing along to anything? I just need the melody. I'll make up my own if I need to. <laughs> I don't care about the lyrics. I really don't. This has always been a problem, too. Okay, well, you're a People musician and I'm like, not, what are your so. lyrics? I'm like, what do you care? This isn't a fucking poetry reading. Who gives a shit? You'll find out later. I mean, I'm going to tell you them now. I don't know. I just, I've always been, I don't care. Unless it's hip hop, I don't care what the lyrics are. That, do you, do you don't care. Do you understand that that makes you irrelevant in a band? Me? Yeah. You being I think lyrics you, are you, irrelevant. You being a singer and bringing yeah. the lyrics and the words to the music, but the you don't care words. about the music or the words. They're just words. The music why is are, what's Why are you a singer? Play guitar. The music and my something. melody are what's important. The words mean nothing. I don't care about lyrics. I could be saying fart, fuck, piss, shit, fuck, fart, fuck. And it would matter. If it's catchy, it's catchy. It's stupid. I just, I don't, I don't, I personally don't put any value on lyrics. I don't. Okay. There's not a rock singer in the history of rock music where I go, oh, I love his lyrics, man. He's so deep. I don't care. Never, you're never going to hear that from me. I don't care. Was the song catchy? Were his vocals catchy? I'm good. 
I'm good. I don't care what wow. he was saying. Now, I've looked up lyrics to songs before. Don't get me wrong. You know, there are guys who I consider to be good lyricists and rock bands, but I don't put any sort of importance on it. I don't care. But you write most of your music, right? What does that mean? Write most of my music. What do you mean? The lyrics? Yes. Do you write I most write of all the lyrics? You write all, but yeah. they don't matter is what you're saying? No. What in the don't. hell is going on right now? Just this pick a concept no and go with it. Just write whatever. You write what's in your heart and what's on your mind, man. It, it, I, don't, I don't put any, any sort of importance on it. Do you think you're in the minority on that? Yo, for sure. Okay. No, people hate playing with me because of it, because they're so worried about lyrics. Okay. They're like you, they're brainwashed into thinking these lyrics matter. Have you heard some of the most popular songs of all time and what the lyrics are? Let's 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 like, play a little like, game get, here. While, okay, while I'm me. looking this up, go on with what you were asking. So lyrics are important to you, why? What do you mean, why? Like, I mean, that... To me, that is what. This is interesting to me, though. What's interesting to me is this is coming from a person who, when I ask him, hey, have you read this book? You go, I don't read. But you care about <laughs> lyrics. Amazing to me. Amazing. I don't know that those two things go together. What? Those two things. Lyrics and reading? Yes. Like the the similarity the the Let me ask you connect something. the connection that you just if made. I said, hey, Cole, what what go if I what me. if I what if I listen to audiobooks all the time? That's not reading. Right? One hundred percent. But that's still hearing the words. Okay. Uh so if I asked you to recite the lyrics of your favorite song, would you be able to do it based on memory or would you need to go read them to me no i could but i don't know i don't know i don't know if i have a favorite song do you have a favorite song of all time yes one single song oh is it your walkout song no what, what that's we, not my favorite song of all oh, time okay no <laughs> no i i i would say i mean if i had to pick one yeah it would probably be it would either be an incubus song or a Jimi hendrix song or Deftones, or Outkast. So Tupac. you can't, is what you're saying? No, I mean, I... Are you just picking different... I would say, the, the song that came to mind when you asked, it's a song called The Warmth by Incubus. Uh, that's just like my immediate sort of response. Um, and it has nothing to do with the lyrics? Zero to do with the lyrics. Zero. <laughs> Ask me my next favorite song. What's your next favorite song? Is it a Jimi Hendrix song? No. Digital Bath by Deftones. Zero to do with the lyrics. Okay. Um, so if I ask you your, your, your favorite lyrical lyrical I, song, what's it going to be? I don't know. What, top, what's something that I'll, just... You'll have to, you'll have to give me a, a, some time to think about that. What's memorable? Like a song with lyrics that are memorable to you. Like where the lyrics hit you. If you put so much importance on these, then why don't you, why can't you just tell me like, yeah, this band really knocked my socks off with these lyrics. Like, or this singer really knocked my socks off with these lyrics. I don't know. What? 
I don't I don't know off the top of my head. Think about it. Well, who's your favorite band? Breaking Benjamin, right? Yes. What are some lyrics of theirs that you like? So while you're thinking about that, let me just, so here, here are some lyrics from one of the greatest selling rock and roll singles of all time. It okay. has sold more than 15 million physical copies. Okay. You ready? One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock rock, five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock rock, nine, 10, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock rock. We're going to rock around the clock tonight. Put your glad rags on and join me, hon. We'll have some fun when the clock strike one. We're going to rock around the clock tonight. We're going to rock, rock, rock till the broad daylight. We're going to rock, going to rock around the clock tonight. I understand your point. Okay. I, but that, I but wanted, that, but I that's sure just, that that's, clear. but that's just one song. I'm not saying that. What oh, we're, I got a full what list here. But, I got a full list here, bro. I'll but, go back. But what we're saying here is opinions on both sides. We're not saying that this is right or wrong. Uh, we're saying that uh, you well, just said you're in the minority, but you're right. That's that's what you're saying. Of course, that's what I'm saying. Oh, Jesus yes. Um, keep going. That's that's all I was saying. So you can't name any Breaking Benjamin lyrics that have um, made an impression on you. None. Really? I don't know, like, as far as, like, an impression goes. Like, give me, okay, so, like, Incubus, you said the warmth. Well, no, you said yep. it, it has nothing to do with the lyrics, so it doesn't matter. See what happens? I'm not saying that melody and that uh, the music doesn't matter. I'm just saying that the lyrics do matter. To the majority of people. Well, I don't think that you're saying the, the melody doesn't matter. If you did say that, I would think you were a Martian. But my point is, if they mean so much to you, why can't you name a song that has made an impression on you? So maybe they don't mean as much as you thought they did? Is that fair to say? I didn't know. Because I didn't say that... Like, words don't have to physically have an impact on me emotionally or anything like that to want to know what they are in a song. So what's an occasion where you go, I have to know what the lyrics are? Uh, like when I listened to 36 Crazy Fists. Did you look some up? I did. I just told you. I hit that button where it was scrolling words while they were singing. Which song did you do that for? Uh, any of the ones that were hardcore where I couldn't understand what they were saying. Where he was screaming a lot? Which or? I know number one was that way. I can't remember the names of the songs off the top of my head, but I know number one was that way. But the the main the one thing that I do like about them and that attracts me to music like that is it's not screaming the entire way through. It's a mixture all the way through. I figured I was going to get your eye roll like that. But what, Wait, what are you, 75 years old? Like, God. What? I hear you. I understand. I understand what you're saying. Then why, <laughs> why do I have to be old to feel that way? Uh, it's just such a boomer thing to say. Why? It just is. I don't understand them. There's too much of that screaming, so I had to look up the lyrics that are so important. 
Here's another one. Why why one do you, why would one, you, one of the, why would you want to listen to somebody just screaming? Oh, because it's great. Charges you up. Makes you want to start your day. Makes you want to achieve things. Makes you want to do a lot of stuff. Okay. No? Okay. I don't. <laughs> so here's another one. One of the greatest selling songs of all time by one of probably the the most popular band of all time. Oh yeah, I'll tell you something. I think you'll understand. When I say that something, I want to hold your hand. I want to hold your hand. I want to hold your hand. Just saying. The Beatles are always the band I lean on when somebody's talking shit about music or they say something is important or it's uh, forget about pop music or this and that or they didn't do it this way or you got to do it this way. I go, it worked for the Beatles. So let's just move on. Okay. Work for the Beatles. Do you like the Beatles? I'm not even, uh, I wouldn't even call myself a, a big Beatles fan. No. I have an appreciation so for them. You, re you respect them. 100%. And you think that they had a massive impact on music moving forward. Of course. Okay. I think I'm in the more minority here too. I love their poppier earlier stuff than I do their sort of drug-induced experimental stuff that people seem to like a lot. I love the poppy, um, poppy version of what the Beatles were in the suits and the, the, the mop tops. Like that's, that's my Beatles. I know everyone loves the, you know, Lucy in the sky with diamonds sort of LSD induced phase of the Beatles. And I like it fine too, but whatever. Um, have you seen the movie yesterday? No. Do you like the Beatles? Is that eh? Not really. Have you have you even have you taken the time to actually? I haven't gone through. Me, the, I haven't gone through their catalog. No, to okay, yeah. to really put, invest the time. No, because believe me, I I I was one of these people that I was like the Beatles. Like what? Like you know, not that I was like hating on them, but I always be like, no, I don't listen to the like why? You know, when I was younger. But I have a friend who is. When I say a Beatles super fan, he can recite all of the lyrics to every Beatles song in existence, probably. And he he could not he did not he could not accept that I had not given the Beatles a chance, right? Could not accept it. Um, the only exposure I had to the Beatles growing up was there was a vinyl in our house. It was the Hard Day's Night vinyl, and I actually did listen to that as a child because um, it was one of the it was a a record that was in the house that and like Van Halen and Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston and all this stuff. Um, and I listened to it all, but he could not accept that. Um, but I think it's good that you haven't necessarily explored their catalog. You should watch the movie yesterday. Is this it's about a guy is that a newer one or no? Yeah. It came out like maybe last year. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's what I thought. It's a fun movie. It gets a little, uh, little, chick flicky at times but it's a good movie and i think it's really good uh what i think is good about it is if you see it or if someone sees it and they go to someone in the music industry and go hey is this how it's like i think you're going to get competing answers someone's going to go yeah and then someone's going to go fuck no 
you're going to get sort of two op like polar opposite opinions on it. I, I love that, but um, it's about a guy. Essentially, he's a he's a singer songwriter. He's talented, but for whatever reason, can't catch his big break, and he's basically given up. And then he basically has an accident, and he goes into like a brief coma. And when he wakes up, he's the only person on earth that knows who the Beatles are. So basically what he does to make it in the music industry, he rips off the Beatles, claims all of their songs to be his and goes on this, you know, joyride through becoming a breaking artist and all this stuff. Um, it's a fun movie. It, it's, but you, you hear these songs again and you go, God damn, these were really good songs. Um, so I don't know. It, it's just, a, I, 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 I appreciate especially now in 2020 movies that kind of do throwback throwbacks to music or I'm sorry, movies that explore music and do these kind of throwback sort of explorations of bands that, that used to be, and they kind of make it 2020. They kind of make it so that everyone can enjoy it. Right. Um, like Ed Sheeran plays a big role in the movie. If you watch it, you'll see, um, is there, so is, actually, there, is there a movie that you could pick that from your experience in the music industry, is there a movie that you could, that you've seen that depicts it most real for you? So a fictional story. Um, man, that's a tough one. Uh, I don't know what's most real, man. I can say that there's never been a movie made about my experience necessarily. And I don't mean like me specifically. I mean like, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a smaller DIY sort of underground touring band or I, I don't, or band that's sort of trying to thrive in a local music scene. I'm trying to think of like, again, fictional stories. <sighs> Well, I guess maybe not, maybe it doesn't even have to do with your experience, but like, I guess a little bit of your experience, like a movie that captures what it's like in the music industry. That I don't know if I'm the best person to ask that because I've only had, like, like I said, a, a small, a small taste, you know? But, well, like, I guess, I, I guess the reason why I asked that is because like, I know you've, you've heard the stories and I know that you've, I'm sure you've talked to people who have been in the music industry for a lot longer than you that and if you, if you put that stuff together, I guess, but maybe there's, I mean, maybe seen, there's not seen, many I've movies seen, out there like that. I've seen plenty of movies where I go, that's fucking horse shit. Oh, that, really? that angers me. Oh yeah. 100%. Um, and I just watched one recently too. This is going to drive me crazy. I, I'm not going to be able to think of it. Um, Well, there is one that have you seen the movie Jennifer's Body? Mm, I've heard it's of got it. Got Megan Fox. I've heard of it, but I haven't watched it. All right, so never mind. You're not going to know what I'm talking about. But there's there's a whole part of that story of that movie where there's this band. Everything about it just pisses me off. I go, that is not. <laughs> it, it's just everything about it bothers me. Um, but I mean, I can think of the good, the movies that I think are good, and I think they, whether it's completely factual or accurate but they they there are parts of the music industry that are involved i mean almost famous is one that i can think of 
there are really there are things about that movie that really bother me but it also is a really when we're just talking music and touring and bands and being in a band and hitting the road and it, it sort of exploring the shitty things about it and the cool things about it i love that movie for that i think wayne's world is a good one as funny <laughs> as that sounds um uh god I, why can't i think um let me look up because this is going to bother me <laughs> was there one that you had in mind not really no. i was just curious if there was something i needed to watch you've seen almost famous right i don't know that i have oh my jesus good lord well then go watch almost famous okay you've seen wayne's world of hopefully course. yes okay jesus christ uh, let me see here. I don't know if I trust this site, but we'll see. How about dirt? That's pretty. Dirt was, I love dirt or the dirt. I thought it was yeah, cool. Um, yeah, I really liked that movie. Oh, that thing you do. Have you seen that? That's a no. Wait, yes. Yes, I have. I think. Is that, uh, who's in it? Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wonders? Yes. Yes. That's a great movie about the music industry. I think that's a good one for sure. The, um, <laughs> this is going to be really in fact, I think music. I think musicians kind of credit that movie with being semi-accurate. Really? Yeah. yeah. This is going to be dumb, but the one thing that I remember most about that movie, and I don't, and it's from watching it back in school was uh, when they first get up, on, or well, in the beginning when they first get up on stage and the pe- and the guy announcing them up calls them the O'Neaters. Mm-hmm. That guy's an asshole. <laughs> um, <laughs> God, this is going to drive me crazy. I'm, I'm trying to pick ones that aren't about a specific person, like Bohemian Rhapsody and, right. uh, you know, like Straight Outta Compton or All Eyes on Me, something like that. Um I mean, this is Spinal Tap, which I'm. Have you have you seen that? No, but actually, Straight Outta Compton. What, what did you think about that? I was Straight Outta what? Compton. Straight Outta Compton. What did you think about the movie? I liked it a lot. You did. I liked it a lot. Yeah. But most of those like throwbacks again to like old musicians or artists, I'm gonna like. I haven't seen Rocket Man. I don't really have a desire to because I don't know anything about Elton John. But that might work to my benefit. Because I don't know much, maybe I'll just enjoy it. Right. You know? Um, well, yes and no. Because it could... When you don't know anything about it, you don't know if things are bullshit. Well, you know, but so, maybe, that's a good, maybe that's a good thing, though. You know? Well, yeah, but if you, if you go moving forward thinking that thing, this is how things are, this is how things happen, and it's not really how it happened, it's just for cinematic effect, then... Right. Right. You know, and that that's where that that's the that's the thing that drives me nuts about some movies is that, you know, you gotta you gotta be able to separate the two, but sometimes you don't know what to separate. Yeah. What's the um oh man. I mean, La Bamba's a good movie about music. You know, um Jesus, this is driving me crazy that I can't think about one. 
Was it a documentary or a movie? What? What you're trying to think of. No, just movies. I'm trying to oh. think I'm not I'm trying to not think of documentaries gotcha. or movies about a specific artist, just fictional stories. You know, whether they be based on something or not is fine, but um I mean, I guess you could say Tenacious D, Pick Up Destiny. Really? Somewhat. I mean, I don't really like that movie that much, but Eight Mile, even though it's loosely based on his life, I guess that's that's one you could say. Oh, the Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers. Now, while it's really? not about the music industry necessarily, I just think for music in general, fucking fantastic. Oh, one we've talked about, School of Rock, for sure. Uh, yeah, man. Oh, oh, Empire Records. High Fidelity. You seen either of those? I've seen High Fidelity, not Empire Records. I think you need to see Empire Records too. Okay. Um, A Star Is Born, even though it's been Lady remade Gaga. out. Power. Um, the new. I love the newest one with Lady Gaga. It's a fucking great movie. For music, it's fucking fantastic. You said that's a remade movie. Oh, it's been remade five times or whatever. Oh, yeah. Shit, I didn't know. Oh that. yeah. Oh yeah. Huh. Um, but the newest one, I mean, it's fantastic. Um. Fucking bummer, but uh, Whiplash is a good one. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, I have, have actually. About the drummer, Whiplash is good. I'm drawing blanks, man. I can't think of. But yeah, I, I, I to go back to your original question. I don't know if I'm the best person to ask. I think I find I think I notice shit that I find to be bullshit more than I do to be accurate. Um, cause again, I think it's, unless we're just talking about the industry and I'm using air quotes there, I think every band's experience has been, well, of the bands that I know that have gone through it have actually, um, gone further than I have and signed record deals and, and done shit. I mean, their every experience has been different. I think they've experienced right. a lot of the same things, but I think everything's been different, which I think is good. If it were all the same, why would everyone want to do it? You know what I mean? And, and then I, you can I find guess, out ahead of time whether it's for you or not. I guess most of the experience come from like the record label, like situation they've had, they have with the record label. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Record labels have a lot to do with it and just the sound of music, the type of music, the people in the band, how willing they are to go through the motions. Um, I don't know. I mean, I played in a band with a guy who said all he wanted to do was tour. Right? It's all I wanted to do. 19 when he joined the band. It's all I wanted to do. Skip college to go on tour. The moment the fucking tires hit the road, he was homesick and was pissing his pants. Really? So, yeah. I mean, it's just, you don't know this stuff until you do it. You, you know, right. you don't know. A lot of people think it's for them and, and turns out that it's not. I mean, I, and then a lot of people are in it for specific reasons that are completely different than others you know um it's just the way it is it's a it's a it's a crapshoot to get into it man and, and expect i mean i'm sure you've heard this to expect a career it's you know the odds are very slim but if you do it because you love it and you just love the experience then it's fucking it's, it can be fun man so right. 
I mean, I can I can see, which I guess most people probably can, but I can see like both sides when it comes to a record label. You know, the record label's putting up the money that it takes to to get things off the ground. So I can see why they have so much of a say in the process of everything. But then again, you know, you're the band that signed the contract and, you know, expecting that your creativity is what's going to be put into all this. And I, so I can see, I can see where heads can clash pretty easily when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we're talking about a corrupt industry, just like anything else. Um, Corrupt how? Because of record labels and them just taking money from artists and just bleeding them dry, you know. Um, so can give me a, an example of that. Like, wait, like how, how can a record label just take money from an artist? Well, they trick the artist into signing a bad contract. So there's a legal paper trail, but at the time... And I'm assuming that if you're a... a newer band or you're you've never been through this before there's probably not a lot of attorneys involved and things like that looking over a contract either it's smart to do so yeah 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 um i'm fortunate enough to have uh an attorney in my family or a couple one of which i could lean on for things like this if i needed to nice um but yeah, I mean, you, but a lot of times you your work, and this is like the thing too, is a lot of labels know they sign artists young because they're impressionable and they're naive, you know, and they're just ready to sign that contract and do do what it takes to get to superstardom or get to be on the road or put out their record or be on TV or be on the radio or a combination of all of those things, right? Whatever their their musical vice is, they're ready to do it. They don't look at the fine print. They don't have anyone else look at the fine print. And then they sign the contract, and then two years later, after they've sold some records and they expected a paycheck, and the paycheck comes and it's astronomically lower than they thought it would be, they got to go, oh, shit. Then they hire the attorney, and then they sue the label, and then they most likely lose, and, you know. Um, because they signed I the contract? <laughs> I mean, I know, I mean, anyone who's anyone who's ever been in a band or has been in the music scene or industry long enough knows someone who has signed a shitty record deal. You know, I can think of a few people from the area that have done so. But I always say, if it were me at that time, I would have signed the same fucking deal. How I handled it might have been differently or the outcome might have been different, but... I would have done the same thing. So more kudos to them. They did what I would have done. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I can't, I can't hate on a band for just going for it or any artist for just going for it. Is it irresponsible and not the smartest thing to do to just sign a contract without really going over all the details? Sure. But again, when you're fucking 18 or 19 or 20, 21, and someone says, hey, we're going to offer you this. We're going to offer you a record contract. You're going to make six records. You're going to be able to go on Warped Tour. You're going to be able to uh, 
make music videos. You're going to put out the record. You're going to be able to record with this well-known producer. You're going to go on tour with these bands who are your heroes. You're going to forget pretty quickly about that fine print. Right. You know, and then there are some that are smart and they're, they're business savvy at 18 or 19. And they got into the music industry because they thought they could work their way into the business. You know, a band that comes to mind, at least when I hear them talk about their band, is um, the Black Keys. Have you ever heard those guys talk about their career? Uh-uh. It's really fucking interesting. Um, just what they have to say about their career, the music industry, record labels. Listen to their appearance on Joe Rogan. I'm surprised you didn't hear that. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting to hear them talk about their experiences. Um, and I think it's good for younger musicians to hear their experiences and um, hear about their trials and tribulations of getting a record deal and putting out records and then doing it on their own and putting out music videos and selling records and all this good stuff. Um, so but yeah, everyone's experience has been different. Me personally, with the, like I said, with the people that I know that have done it, I would be a liar if I said I wouldn't have done it the same way, right. you know, right. um, well, it's part of what made it fun, man. That's part of what made it the scene. You had your, your friends that got that, that break and you go, fuck, I'm so happy for them, but fuck them too. I wish, <laughs> I wish it were me. And, and then you hear about, and then there are some people that hear about what they did and they go, oh, those fucking idiots. I was never like, oh, those fucking idiots. I would have been like, God damn, that's cool. Right. What do I got to do? Where do I sign? <laughs> what do I got to do? Right. Um, probably not the best way to approach it, but you're only young, dumb and full of cum once as they say. Well, I have one so, more, I have one more question that pertains to this, uh, before we wind it down. So when it comes to a band, even getting in contact with a label, how does that normally work? Or is that different for every band? I mean, is it normally literally somebody from a label that goes to a show and sees a band and says, Hey, I want to, we should sign them. Or does a band contact labels and try to get through the door that way? It can be both. Okay. Um, it can be both. Uh, I personally have showcased for a record label. Um, we did not contact them personally or as a band. Someone else did. Someone word of mouth said, hey, you should check out this band. And we were lucky enough for the label to send a representative to see us play live. Um, I have reached out to record labels. There are still record labels that will take unsolicited material, meaning you can reach out to them and say, hey, we're this band from this city. We do this and this and that. Here is our record. Check it out. And then there are a lot of labels that will not take your shit. So you're going to have to find a different approach. Um, I mean, with today's game, with social media and streams and all that good stuff, um. I don't necessarily know how it works anymore as far as streams go and all that good stuff. Um, I come from the era of backpacking it, putting a bunch of CDs in a box or a backpack and handing them out, hoping the right person gets it. Or once the internet started really becoming the internet, you could then look up who to contact from a record label. You could send them a care package. Um, that's a, I have done, I've been in a situation where I've been in a band where we've done that. That label did respond. We sent them more materials. They either said, yes, we like it, or 
no thanks, but keep sending us stuff. Um, and then I do remember it, it, it just depends. It can work both ways. Um, there are, there are things you can do. You can hire a man, you can hire, um, a booking agent, you can hire a management company, you know, um, hire a publishing company, I, all these things you can do many things. There are ways to do it. What works for some doesn't work for others and how people get discovered doesn't work. It's not the same for, you know, not everyone gets discovered the same way. Right. Um, you know, unfortunately not everyone can be Justin Bieber and put out a YouTube video and become the biggest star of his generation. Yeah. It just doesn't, just doesn't work. Um, it'd be nice if it did. And then all of us musicians would be in a much easier, much easier boat. And we'd probably all be a lot happier, but, <laughs> um, you know, I think it just depends for, for, I, I would say for, if you're in a rock band, I think you just need, like, I, I think I've mentioned it before. Try to be good at everything. Be a good band. Have a good show or have a good live show, right? Have a good image. Be really good with your fans, meaning personable. People can talk to you. Be able to communicate to your fans. Be awesome at social media. Find a way to get all of your streams up. Um, get your plays up. Um, be known by everyone, not just in your city, but regionally, right? Um, and go from there. Just try to take every... And as, and, and as the game evolves, as the industry evolves, evolve with it. Don't be stuck in the old ways of doing things. You know, uh, that's the only tidbit of advice I would give. Because there, I know I've been, in, I've, I've been in bands that haven't been good at everything. There's only been some aspects of, of the industry that we've been good at. You know, um, and I think a lot of it is industry. I think we've all. I think every band thinks, ah, we're, our songs are great. We're, we put on a good show. Of course. Eh, that's a small part of the battle, unfortunately. So, oh, put out good merch. Have a good merch store. Um, but anyway, what the fuck do I know? <laughs> so going back to, going back to your, uh, your musical homework. So you asked, who does the singer of 36 crazy fist sound like? I said a band and you said, no, I said glass jaw. You did. You Which, know who glass jaw is. I know of the band. I, I mean, I couldn't tell you a song they sing, but I know of the band. So that's your next, that's your next homework. Glass jaw. Okay, cool. I'm good with that. Glass jaw worship and tribute. Okay. Is the name of the record. Okay. I, now this you, one, I'm not sure that you're going to like, Okay. okay. It actually I, makes me happy. But I'm going to find out who this guy sounds like and that I think he sounds like, and then I'm going to send you a song of whoever that is. Is it a bigger band? I think so, but I'm not 100% sure. I'm going to figure it out, though. I'm telling you, when I figure it out, it's identical. Okay. I, I mean, I... I, I know that... I know that for an artist, an artist doesn't want to be compared to anybody else, but in this case, he sounds like his voice is identical to another voice out there. I just got to figure out who it is. Okay. We'll see who it is. <laughs> but that's your your next homework assignment. Okay. 
Glassjaw, what? Tribute, something like that? Worship and Tribute. Worship and Tribute. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm going to end this by saying, go Indians. Soon to be, go Spiders. You think it's going to be Spiders? I don't fucking know. I hope not. I hope not. It's already been the name once. I get it, but ugh. It's terrible. Oh, it has? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's fine. Who cares, man? It's over 100 years ago. What are we doing? It's a terrible name. Terrible. <laughs> Go Tribe. I call them Tribe anyway, so I'm always going to call them Tribe. You no just, offend, you just offended to. so many people. Tribe you offends people? I, I don't know how. I'm Tribes sure. can come from anywhere, asshole. Yeah, I know, but it Jesus. you have to say where the tribe is coming from or people are going to get offended. I don't have to say anything. I can do what I want. That's the beauty of living in... A democracy. Can do what I want. Word. And if you're offended, fine. Represent. Holla. (laughs) All right. We're out.